as I get started this morning, I'm going to give you all a little visual to uh, help pull us together here this morning. All throughout what I'm talking about with you guys, this is, this is not a rubber band. This is a hair band. This is my hair band. And this hair band that I have, I thought would be a good illustration for us this morning because we're talking about a word. Does, Antoine, you're laughing. I don't know why you're laughing. Like something's unusual here. But this hairband, this rubber band, represents everybody in this room individually and collectively. And what this rubber band does is it tells us about our potential. This rubber band has a lot of potential. And I don't just mean as a great hairband, although it is a great hairband, but the potential that this thing has to travel and fly. You know, it can sit here like this and not be touched, and it still has potential, but it's stored up potential. But then when somebody takes ownership of this thing and says, let me see what this thing can do, and they start pulling it back, its potential just grew. Does that make sense? What this thing's capable of now just got incredibly more. I could probably hit the back door with this thing, if I'm guessing. Or Antoine, don't you? Antoine beat me up. I don't care. I don't need to be getting beat up for everybody right now. Look, this thing, the more you stretch it, the more painful it can be, but the more potential is stored up in it, right? So just keep this in the back of your minds as we're going through this morning. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is the story of Gideon. Is anybody familiar with the story of Gideon in here? He started out real small, real you know, like a limp rubber band just hiding from the Midianites. That's how Gideon started out. And then all of a sudden, somebody came in and helped to change Gideon's perspective of his own life. An angel of the Lord and judges, this isn't on your screen, appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In other translations, it says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And at the time when that angel said that, Gideon was hiding from the enemy, uh, doing the grain. What do you say? Like crushing the grain. In a wine press, because he was afraid that the Midianites would see it, and then they would come steal it. But he, was, he thought very little of himself. In verse 14 of chapter 6 of Judges, again, this isn't on your screen, I apologize. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. How cool is that? And if you know the rest of this story, he does do that, actually, through a series of uh, small steps that Gideon took and a series of miracles that God put in there to a transformation of Gideon as a man. He, went, he actually lived out like a mighty warrior. The further you get along in the story of Gideon, he was a great hero in the nation of Israel. And what's exciting about that to me is if God doesn't approach him, if God doesn't speak what God sees in him, 
And if Gideon doesn't believe it and take the necessary steps with that, then we never get the story of Gideon. We never get the nation of Israel being delivered from the hand of the Midianites. God deposited potential in Gideon even before he was in his mother's womb. God knew the potential Gideon had as a mighty warrior to deliver an entire nation as if he was fighting against one man. God saw that already. God already knew it was there. But all Gideon saw was this, and God saw this, and God saw a whole nation run from this. So the first thing, as we open up this morning, the thought that I want you all to take away with you as you leave here is that every single one of us has untapped potential with Jesus. And it's our job to be a good steward of that potential for God's purposes. And the first point is God deposited in us purposeful potential. God deposited in us purposeful potential. You have potential in you that has a purpose that you haven't seen come to life yet. Every single one of us. That's a fact, actually. We can debate it if you like. But if you have breath in your lungs, you have potential. Your life has potential if the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. Anybody want to debate that? Whether or not the Holy Spirit in me has potential to do things that we haven't seen yet, that this world hasn't seen yet? And you are a treasure. I want, I want to make this point, I hope this point pierces some hearts this morning. You are a treasure to God. But you are a treasure, period. God knows the treasure that you are, even if you don't know it. God knows the treasure that you are, even if the world doesn't know it. Even if your family doesn't know it. Even if your boss doesn't know it. Even if your customers don't know it. You are an incredible treasure in planet Earth. You're one of a kind, you're eternal, and you have unlimited potential in the Lord. You're, you're a carrier, you're a, you're a potential house for God to live in, to move through. That is pretty special. So not only are you a treasure, but the potential that's inside of you is a treasure gift to this world. And it can only come from one place, you. It can't come from anywhere else. God has potential treasure gifts stored up in each one of us to give to this world. And you're the only one that can share it with the world. And you don't even realize what's in there. Gideon didn't know what was in there. Nobody here can say that you've maxed out, that you've maxed out your potential there's nothing left. God, you can't do anything else. It's all done. Everything that can be done is done. That is a lie. That's not truth. The fact is that the Holy Spirit has no limits, and his potential in you is immeasurable. You can't even think of it. He said that. God said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. 
In another place, it says that no one could even think or imagine the things that he has in store for those who love him, that are in him. We can't even think or imagine it. So if that is true, if we all have a God-deposited purpose, potential in our life, what, what happens next with that? We have to be a good steward of that. We have to be a good steward with the deposit of potential that God has put in each side, in, inside of each one of us. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30, I'm going to read a section of scripture here with us this morning. This is known as the parable of the talents, if y'all are familiar. There's a second place that this happens in the Bible in Luke 19. But this passage, this particular version, is the more popular one that you would that would sound more familiar with you, more familiar to you. But it's interesting that you have two different gospel writers. They write out their version of the same parable, but they're different. But they come away with the same meaning and the same intent and purposes. But each one of them has their own little gleaming details that you're like, oh wow, I never thought about it like that. You know, for example, one of them. Uh, in this one, he gives a different measure to each servant. And then in Luke, he gives the equal measure to each servant. And they do different measures of multiplying that talent. And here we just see double, double. But in Luke, we see 10 times. We see different uh, ranges of like percentage increase. So here we go. This is Jesus speaking. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money, the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away 
Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. <laughs> you know what I mean? So much for a happy ending, you know what I mean? But we see here that each servant was given potential. That's what you can really sum up, that value that each one of them was given was potential. Not only did it have intrinsic value in being bags of silver, but the value, there was hidden value in the potential of what those bags of silver could become with the right amount of application, right? The, the wicked, lazy servant, what did he do? I ain't got time for that. I ain't taking any risks. I'm too afraid to put myself out there. I got my own plans going on. I, I, got, I got other things going on. See you, master. How long did you say you would be gone? Okay, bye. Your agenda doesn't matter to me. My agenda matters to me. What you care about, I don't care about. Nah. His money, not my money. What do I get out of that? That wicked, lazy servant, he could care less about that potential that God put inside of him. Right? But the other two, they treasured that potential. They treasured the gift of God that God would entrust them with anything, much less the potential to be a light in the darkness, to do things that maybe have never been done in this world, to reach people that couldn't be reached any other way. And they were excited to take that, what they were given, and go grow that thing, go multiply that thing, go make that thing be better than what it was when he got it. And we don't know what's inside of us. We don't know the limits. We don't know how much potential is inside of us. Gideon didn't know it. We don't know the future. We're not all powerful, right? But if we put a little faith in God and we start exercising what we have, all of a sudden we realize that we're capable of much more than we thought. Gideon realized he was much more capable than he thought. So how do we be a good steward of that deposit of potential that God's given to each one of us. How do we be a good steward with that? The first step is that, is that we have to believe that, that we have this potential. And I know that sounds simple to some, but it's hard. That's a big leap for a lot of people, is believing that you actually have potential in you to, to see things in this world, in your life, that you have never seen before. There's potential in you that you could not even think of or dream up right now. It's inside of you right now. God sees it. God told Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God saw a mighty warrior thrashing the wheat, hiding. Gideon didn't see that. Gideon thought Israel was lost to the Midianites, and he was the least of the least of the least. Never crossed his mind that he would ever have a part to play in delivering the nation of Israel, much less be the leader of it. But God saw that potential in him. Our first step is believing and agreeing with God 
that there's something inside of us that has not come out yet. And it has the very good chance that it's something much greater than we could ever imagine. That's the first step. There's a war over you believing in your potential. The devil does not want you to believe that you have any potential. He wants you to cower in fear. He wants you to walk in unbelief. He wants you to think very small. Protect yourself. Don't put yourself out there. Don't try anything new. Don't, don't say this. Don't say that. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's all going to backfire. You're nobody anyway. Nobody wants to listen to you. You don't have anything to offer. Have y'all heard those words before, or is it just me? I think we've all heard the same stuff, coincidentally from the same person who's out there trying to keep us all from walking in our potential. It sounds the same for everybody. So you're not new. I mean, well, how do I say this? You're not unique in that situation, okay? You're not the only one who thinks little of yourself, okay? You're not. And you're not the only one hearing somebody else tell you you're nothing. He'll use all kinds of tactics, too. He'll speak your language. You know, for me, I'll give you an example. Um, as a young man, I've always struggled with pride, arrogance, rebellion. You know, it was, I knew it all, you know, things like that. So when I came to the Lord, that's something that I want to have see crushed in my life. I want to be humble. I want to serve. I want to, you know, God have his way. Lee doesn't know. God knows, you know what I mean? So the enemy, what he'll do for me, like if I start to dream something up or get excited about something in the future or some kind of potential, the enemy will say, you're just being spiritually prideful. You're nobody. You can't be used like that. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. I better get back in my hole where I'm humble. And then God doesn't get any glory out of that. Nothing happens. No, nothing of potential comes alive in my life because I'm so afraid of being prideful. And the devil uses that against me. Now, I still have to be mindful of being prideful. I have to be mindful, is this ego or is this God? You know, is this just scratching my back? Or is this producing fruit for the kingdom of God? Is this something that God would want to see come to pass? Are, are people's lives being impacted by this? Is eternity being shifted, shaken? Is heaven being populated? Is hell being depopulated? Am I taking on more responsibility to see that work come to completion? The Great Commission become the Great Completion, like Pastor Dick Bash always says? Well, then if so, then maybe I need to have faith and start believing God for that potential in my life. Even though I don't see it yet, even though I'm not there yet, I can start moving in that direction by faith. So that's like a little personal example for me. But what is it for you? What is it that the enemy is trying to do, say into your mind to keep you suppressed, keep you oppressed? keep you bound, keep you little, keep you stuck, keep you going around and around and around and around and around so that his goal is this time next year, you're right back where you were at this moment this year. 
right back in the same place, no change, no growth. And by the way, growth looks like change. Change is growth, or growth involves change. You can't escape it. I mean, you cannot grow and not change. That's the bottom line. Anything that grows changes. So we can look for signs of growth, signs of change in our life that we are different than what we were, that we're growing towards something, which means we're unlocking the potential that God has put inside of us. That's being a good steward. And if we're not seeing it, a good steward takes ownership of that, takes responsibility and says, okay, whatever I am doing or not doing, it's not working. So God, help me to do something different so I can go from this to this. Stretch. That hurts sometimes. It's kind of scary, too. If you've ever done anything, has anybody gone into business for the first time from being self-employed, I mean, being employed their whole life? I have. That's a scary feeling, but it stretches you, you know? There's a lot of things that we can do that it's a little scary. I want to present with you all three facts. Three facts, okay? Fact number one, you're not done yet. That's a fact. Unless the breath had just, if, unless your last breath just left your body, which I hope there's nobody in here. I don't see anybody keeled over. You're not done yet. Fact number two, God can do anything. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God who spoke everything that we see into existence. Fact number three, God wants to reach everyone. His will is that none should perish, not one. We've heard the parables, the good shepherd who leads the 99 to go get the one. You know, we talked a little bit about this in our leadership meeting here Monday night. You know, we think about, man, it'd be great if we had 100 people in our church, 200, 300. We're reaching people. But yet, right across the street, there's 2,000 people every day. Not counting all the football games and everything else. If you just drew a circle around this church, five miles, two miles, you're talking about tens of thousands of people, fish, that we're called to catch. It's not enough to think so small. It's not okay. It's not being a good steward of our potential by thinking so little. You got to make a shift here. You got to take the focus off of you and put it on them. You got to see that if the focus is just on you, anything better than today is a is a win, right? I grew. But wow, there's so many fish that aren't being caught. We're not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. God wants to catch them all. And he can do anything. And I'm not done yet. So, God, what part can I play? How can I be stretched so that my capacity to catch grows bigger? How can I lead other people to grow and catch more? How can we partner with other believers in the area so that not one fish falls through the cracks? 
That's big thinking. That's huge thinking. What if we thought in terms of, instead of how many people are in this room, what if we thought in terms of what percentage of our community is born again and being discipled in a local church and paying attention to that number? Okay, we're at 10%. We canvass the area, we're at 10%. 10% of Covington within whatever mileage, they're good. All right, we got 90%. We got a chisel at. In one year, how do we get that down to 80%? In, in five years, how do we get that number to 50%? That's tens of thousands of people. So that's where it starts, y'all. It's a dream. It's a promise. It's a calling. It's something out there in wonderland that we haven't seen yet. That's how it starts. That's what's stored up inside of each one of us. Something out there in Wonderland is inside of you that hasn't come to the surface yet. And it will never come to the surface if we don't do anything about it. The Holy Spirit doesn't do things in our life without our permission and our participation. If you sit on your couch at your house for the rest of your life, the Holy Spirit won't do anything in your life even though he can do anything because he's limited himself to your life and your permission to let him out, to let him in, let him out. The king of the universe is waiting on you and me. The king of the universe is subjected himself moving in your life to your permission and your participation. But you know what the funny thing is? He doesn't need a lot because he can do anything, but he has to have it. He still has to have the key, so to speak, to the door to open it. But he can open it, and he can do anything. He can make Peter walk on water, y'all. I mean, what else can he not do? He's given us a myriad of examples of things he can do, but he still needed Peter to put his foot outside the boat. Was Peter ever going to walk on water if he didn't put his foot outside the boat? No. So Peter's part, Gideon had some parts to play, very little, very, very little compared to what actually got accomplished. Gideon's part was so small compared to what was accomplished. But Gideon was transformed in the middle of that process too to where he could do a lot more than just put his foot outside the boat. He was preaching, and 3,000 people were getting saved. After his Savior was just crucified a couple months before, and he was hiding and denying that he knew Jesus at all. He was transformed into a man on a mission, preaching to thousands in the public, thousands of them repenting and giving their lives to Christ, and he's out there healing people, getting arrested, getting beat, celebrating for that. When just earlier he was hiding, denying, cursing, I don't know the man. Gideon went through a similar transformation. He went from a man hiding to chasing the enemy down with briars and thickets and raking their backs with them. I mean, he went from cowering to bullying his enemy, essentially. So, 
but it starts with, you don't normally do that in a boat. I don't know how many of y'all are in boats. Mr. Wayne, do you ever do this on your boat? You ever just one side out the other, one leg out the boat? Just one leg, not two, just one. And just hoping that something is there to support your weight when you, when you, <laughs> Peter had to do that. That's pretty crazy, y'all. But he did it by faith. One step. That's my, that's my point with y'all. Sitting on your potential isn't believing. I just want y'all to know that. Sitting on it, having it sit on the shelf, it looks so nice up there. Every now and then I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that'd be really cool. Maybe one day. That's not faith. It might be, think about some things. I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not the greatest at like thinking up of examples that like apply to your life. So a lot of times I'm really leaning on people to like apply to their life, but I know that's hard and I need to help y'all with that. But like, think about it. There might be like a family feud that needs to be restored in your family. That could be a big thing, right? That's like, man, that'll never happen, or maybe it will happen one day. Or, but faith says it can happen, and I'm going to do something about it. It might be a marriage being restored. It might be a, a family or, or neighbor receiving Christ as their Savior. It might be somebody getting healed of an illness. It might be a, a career thing. Yeah, I would love to be a doctor. That would be so cool. Yeah, I'm going to be a doctor one day. Okay, what you going to do about that? Nothing. I mean, if it's God, it'll happen. Will it now? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. Maybe God did make some doctors out of people that didn't do anything about it, but you might want to consider going to school. You could call yourself a doctor, but you might not have any patients. <laughs> You're a self-proclaimed doctor. But what are we doing about it? First of all, we have to start where we are, you don't have to wait to start at a further up starting point like next year or next month or after I finish this or that or once this settles down or this. No, you've got to start where you are and you have to use what you have. And you know what's funny is that that's what the angel told Gideon. He said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And Gideon's hands are covered in grain. He's like, you want me to go save Israel? I'm the weakest. I'm the least. I'm the nobodies. Go with the strength you have, and you are going to rescue Israel. Go with the strength you have. Start where you are. Throw off what is hindering you. Throw off what is hindering you, especially the Bible says in Hebrews, the sin that so easily entangles. That sin is robbing your life. It's destroying you. It's not helping you. It's not making you feel better. It's not building. It's tearing down. I try to tell people that. When you're sinning, you're tearing down, tearing down, tearing down, until you're digging a pit, digging a pit, digging a pit. Get rid of that sin, man, so that you can start building and doing awesome things and seeing awesome stuff in your life and not having to get bandaged up all the time and fill in holes that you dug. and You know what I mean? Like, it's just not worth it. Throw off that sin that so easily entangles. Partner with others. 
partner with others. That's why we have our small groups. And this week, we have our men's huddle for the first time, Tuesday night at the church. And the very next night, on Wednesday night, we have our women's coffee talk. And those replace small group, by the way. If you're not familiar with that, we have small groups throughout the week, Tuesday through Thursday, all over the North Shore, men's and women's groups meeting. But once a month, we all come together for a men's huddle and a women's coffee talk right here at the church. That's this Tuesday. We'd love to see you all there. But partner with others that are going in the same direction, that want the same thing. You wouldn't believe the amount of help that is to you. God doesn't believe in lone wolves. God doesn't call anybody to be a lone wolf. He calls a body. And then start saying it, start sharing it, what you see, what you want to see. And sometimes you got to be careful who you share it with because they're not going to believe that. And if you pick up on that, it's okay. You don't have to be mad at them. Just don't share it with them anymore. Go share it with somebody who will believe that with you. Hey, I'm believing for this. I want to see that. I feel called to this. It could be crazy. I mean, you could be, a, you could be in your 50s and you're considering a career change. That's awesome. Do it. You realize you still have, you're not done yet. You still have all of this potential ahead of you. Why waste it? Why waste it on saying, ah, it's too late. Ah, oh, that boat passed. Does that mean God can't do anything? What if that's something that God put inside of your heart and he's just asking you to do this? There's no greater joy, y'all, than walking in your calling. There really is not. You talk about, like, I don't know, a shovel, shoveling. That shovel's not going to be any more fulfilled in its entire existence until it's breaking into the dirt and pulling up a big old hunk of earth with worms sticking out of it. That shovel is rejoicing. That shovel's happy. What is it for you? You might not know yet, and you might never find out until you start doing this. Okay? Does that even make sense? I don't even know. I'm like, does this make sense? What am I doing here? That's what I'm talking about. We're going to launch that thing. Launch it! I want to launch. I don't know about y'all. I want to launch. So, a big part of what we do about it is we do something with that thing. You actually physically do something about it. If you're believing for your marriage to be restored, there's physical steps that you have to take. You Get you a good book. Get you a, a five uh, love language, whatever that thing is, you know what I'm saying? You know, there's all kinds of good stuff out there, y'all. Get you a, a marriage counselor, you know what I mean? Just do something together. Take your wife out on a date. Buy her some random flowers that she didn't know was coming at the most random time. You know, there's so many things that you can do. It's not okay to just say, well, I'm believing God for a better marriage. Okay, what are you doing about it? I'm believing God I'm going to be a doctor. If it's his will, he can do it. I know he can do it. I know God can make me a doctor. He can do anything. 
Yes, he can, but he's also waiting for you to put your foot out the boat. He's also waiting for you to enroll in school. He's also waiting for you to make phone calls to find out what you got to do to get started. And, and lastly is God wants a return on his deposit. This is where the focus leaves us and it goes to them. God's focus, his, his agenda, his passion, his reason for doing everything that he's doing in the earth is to get more people into his kingdom. That's what it's all about. And so the potential that's stored up inside of you is to bring him glory so that he can bring more people into his kingdom. But it doesn't only look like telling people about Jesus. When somebody, when Antoine, okay, you're a doctor now, right? You've been a plumber, that's been great, but you're about to be a doctor, okay? When somebody sees Antoine make the shift from being a plumber to a doctor, and they're like, oh my goodness, how did you do that? And Antoine's like, you wouldn't believe it. The journey that I've been on with the Lord, I thought I, I could never do that. But God just kept giving me these nuggets. I got some prophetic words. He kept showing me in the Bible, you know, and then this thing just started stirring, and then he challenged me to step up in my faith, and then he showed me what I needed to do just to put one foot out the boat, and then I did that, and then and they're just like, I need to know this God that you serve. This God is so real. He's so tangible. What he has done is so remarkable. I need to know more. That is just a, a sliver of an example of how God can get glory out of your life and you become a light in the darkness. Where this world is just trying to survive, you're thriving. When the world's hunkered down, hiding like Gideon, and everybody's hiding, and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You're out there advancing. When, that, when the economy's rock bottom and everybody's broke, you're out there being blessed financially. When everybody's afraid to take a risk, you're taking risks. That shows something is on the inside of you that the ones around you are lacking. And then when they find out that it's the God of the universe who loved me enough to send his son to die for me, what else would he not give to me if I will truly trust in him and seek to bring glory to his name, even in pursuing the dreams that he's put in my heart? Because that's how he gets us to move in different directions and go to different places. He'll deposit desires and dreams in our heart. Some of you might be looking at me, honestly, like, man, that looks so much fun. Like, I would just love to be able to talk to a group of people and just tell them how awesome God is. Do that. Do that. Do it. It is. It's really awesome. It's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun doing this. And I used to be terrified of speaking in public. I was an introvert. And look what God has done. But it just came from just keep putting one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and trusting in the Lord. God loves his kids. He spoils us sometimes. I love my kids, Ava, Emery, Levi, Nathaniel. By the way, Emery's at home sick. If they're watching, I'm so sad. You know, Rachel's not feeling well either, so they're home. But my kids are wonderful. But guess what? They got to pick up the house when it's time to pick up the house. They got to pull their weight, you know what I mean? 
And they are very good at it. They're very capable. So they can't tell me they can't. Because I know they can't because they're so good at it. But that doesn't mean I love them less or I'm just using them because I'm telling them they got to clean their room. It's not much different with the Lord. Like he loves us and he'll bless you and he'll deliver you and he'll give you a new life and he'll let you chase your dreams and he put those dreams in there and he's going to supernaturally empower that thing. But what's not okay is for us to just be that wicked servant who's just like, eh, I ain't got time for that or I'm too scared of that or whatever. I don't believe in that. That's too far-fetched, Lord. Just like stop, stop putting that in me. Like, I don't even want to hear that. We have work to do. And our work is, I I read a scripture, I love this scripture. It's in Proverbs. Um, It is the Lord's privilege to conceal a matter, and it's the king's privilege to discover it. It's the Lord's privilege to make you, knit you together in your mother's womb, conceal a plan and a purpose, for your life, and then it's your privilege to come out and discover that thing. But you won't discover it without doing something about it. It's good for us to get off the couch. It's good for us to say, oh boy, I mean, this is just, I don't even know where to start, but I guess I know somewhere to start. I mean, I can make a phone call. I can send a text message. I can Google it, you know. I, I can something. I can ask Lee, because I ain't got a clue where to start. I can ask my small group leader. I can ask my buddy, who seems like he's doing pretty well. I can ask that small business owner down the street how he did it. I can, you know what I mean? Like, there's something you can do. But you got to believe first that there's something to believe in that there's something there that hasn't yet manifested. And what it all boils down to is those people. That's what it really all boils down to. God cares about people. He wants these people reached. He wants them cared for. He wants them to know him and his love. And he can only do that through us. Isn't that crazy? That's kind of a lot of responsibility. He doesn't want to just move in our life so that we can have a good life. But we will have a good life. Remember in the parable of the talents, he says, um, about the abundance. I'm sorry, I'm not finding it. But, you, oh, he says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. You will have an abundance. You'll be living a life that you never dreamed that you would be able to live. You'll be so humbled and so appreciative. Like, I cannot believe, Lord, that you are letting me live this life. I don't deserve it. I never dreamed that I could have anything to do with this or these people or having this kind of impact. I never in a million years, you're going to enjoy it. You can enjoy it. You'll be so fulfilled. You'll be in abundance. You'll have You'll be overflowing, sharing, like generosity just pouring out of you because, and it doesn't even matter what you have. You're just, you're going to feel so full that you just want to share that, what God has done in your life. And imagine this marriage of your fulfillment 
and God's fulfillment happening at the same time in your life. Your fulfillment and people, this, this lost world being reached as his fulfillment. He's fulfilled too in seeing you enjoy your life too, you know. He doesn't want you to be bored to death for your whole life or suffering. He gets, a, he gets he's enjoy. I mean, I can tell you, I'm a dad. I enjoy seeing my kids enjoy themselves. And he enjoys seeing you enjoy yourself too. Amen. 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 If y'all would bow your heads with me this morning.